Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, July 12th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A. Rate. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and our SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, as well as TuneIn. With us today is John Chance Acevedo, with whom I will be discussing his poem, A Letter to Amada, because Juana is my sister's name and that would just be weird. And my poem, My Apologies. Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of July 13th. Monday, July 13th, is the last day to vote for one of our past poet guests, Amp, who was chosen as one of the top 10 finalists for this year's Pride is Powerful Art Contest by NextGen America. You can text ART to 82623 and choose Perino to help her win. Again, text ART to 82623 and choose Perino, that's P-A-R-R-I-N-O, to help her win. On Monday, July 13th, from 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Norwegian TV will be hosting the 10th of its 20-episode series, The Norwegian Wind Carriers Challenge in which anyone can participate, but only indigenous youths between 8 and 25 years old are eligible for the prices, which includes the grand prize of a MacBook Pro. You can find out more information about that at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 644-547-309-458-680. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 644-547-309-458-680. From 6 p.m. Arizona time, Christy White and the Arizona State Poetry Society will be hosting their Mustang Poets Open Reading and Discussion via Zoom. You can find out more information by emailing azpoetryorg at gmail.com. Again, that's azpoetryorg at gmail.com. From 8 p.m. Central Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his weekly Poets Underground open mic. Our past poet guest, Amp, will be one of the featured poets. This will take place via Instagram Live at poets underscore playground underscore. Again, that's at poets underscore playground underscore. From Tuesday, July 14th to Thursday, July 16th, the Virginia G. Piper Center for Creative Writing, Aliento, Reframe Youth Arts Center, and K. Ulande Barrett will be hosting three days of three panels as well as three open mics, all of which will be part of their creative 
Justice Youth Symposium for those between the ages of 13 and 24. The three panels will take place from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time, and the open mics will take place from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific Time. You can find out more information about that at piperpiper.asu.edu forward slash creative hyphen justice. Again, that's piper.asu.edu forward slash creative hyphen justice. From 8 p.m. to midnight Paris time, Spoken Word Paris will be hosting their Spoken World Online with a theme of lifetimes, this time featuring Bill Strangmeyer. You can find out more information at spokenwordparis.org. Again, that's spokenwordparis.org. From 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Urban Word NYC will be hosting their first draft open mic for those between the ages of 13 and 25. This is a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. Again, that's urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting their Speak Poet via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. Again, that's Arizona Masters of Poetry. On Wednesday, July 15th, from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Nuijinan TV will be hosting its Nuijinan Scott Talent, which showcases indigenous youths between 13 and 25. This will be taking place via Instagram Live at Nuijinan TV. That's N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V. Again, that's N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V. On Thursday, July 16th, from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Tiny Cover will be hosting its virtual poetry night via Zoom. You can find out more information and register at thetinycover.com forward slash events. Again, that's thetinycover.com forward slash events. From 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Spit Dad DC will be hosting its weekly open mic via Instagram Live at Spit Dad DC. That's S P I T D A T D C. Again, that's S P I T D A T D C. From 7 to 8 p.m. Pacific Time, Phonetic Spit will be hosting its weekly open mic via Instagram Live at Phonetic Spit, that's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. Again, that's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. From 7.30 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time, I will be guest hosting this month's District 4 Poetry Open Mic along with our past poet guest, Rick Castillo. You can find out more information at facebook.com forward slash district for poetry. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash district for poetry. Four is the number four. On Friday, July 17th, 
5 p.m. New Mexico time is the deadline to register for the Emerging Diné Writers Institute, which will take place from July 19th to the 25th. You can find out more information about that at edwi.navajotech.edu. Again, that's edwi.navajotech.edu. From 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Arizona time, Arizona Humanities will be hosting its AZ Poets Speak Black Lives Matter with our past poet guest Jabari Joan Allen, as well as Raquel Dennis and Aaron Noer. You can get more information and register at azhumanities.org forward slash event. Again, that's azhumanities.org forward slash event. From 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Marquis 10,000 Burton will be hosting his live poetry freestyling via Instagram Live at 10,000 Poetry. Again, that's 10,000 Poetry, all spelled out. On Saturday, July 18th from 5 to 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting their Speak Poet Saturday via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. On Sunday, July 19th, from 4 to 6 p.m. Kampala time, Open Mic Uganda, co-founded by two of our poet guests, the Black Poet and Dennis Sesanga, will be hosting their Open Mic Mega Online Concert, featuring refugee artists living in the Naki Valley Refugee Settlement and Kampala. You can find out more information about that at facebook.com forward slash open mic uganda you can also tune in at open mic uganda via instagram again that's at open mic uganda either via facebook or instagram from sunday july 19th to the 25th navajo tech will be hosting the emerging dna writers institute you can find out more information at edwi.navajotech.edu again that's edwi.navajotech.edu. Two of our past poet guests, Amber McCrary and Laura Tohi, will be serving on this year's faculty. And now let us welcome our poet guest of the week, John Chance Acevedo. Hi, John. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Thank you. Thank you for, for having me and having this platform for artists to go into details about who they are and, and what we do. Partly I started it for just my own curiosity. I'm glad other people like it as well. So very happy that you're here with us. So you brought with you the poem, A Letter to Amada, because Juana's my sister's name, and that would just be weird. Before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is John Chance Acevedo. I am originally from Medellin, Colombia. Mm. My family and I moved to the United States when I was about a year old. Mm-hmm. And like most immigrants, once we made it, once we make it here, we never go back. <laughs> so I came to the United States. I went back to Colombia when I was too young to remember. Mm. And my mother decided it would be a better opportunity for us to be here than in Colombia during the drug wars and everything that was happened in Colombia. I'm a writer. I'm a 
a spoken word artist, performance artist, depending on how you look at it. I am the founding member of an all-Latino poetry collective called El Grito de Poetas. We were founded in 2004, 2005. We have literally just been touring touring the nation, doing shows, and talking about what it is to be a Latino, uh, talking about the African diaspora, and we speak on just a lot of issues. Through my brothers and sisters in the collective, we've managed to perform in many different avenues and many different venues. We've performed at prisons. We've performed at domestic violence shelters. We've performed in someone's living room. We've had impromptu events at politicians who just happened to know one of us and asked us to come out to hang out. And then it turned into an impromptu performance. We've performed for HIV AIDS awareness. We received a recognition for our work in the HIV and AIDS community through our education and entertainment, um, where we use spoken word to entertain and educate uh, young folks and old folks. I'm a mentor, I'm a host, poet, I'm an educator, I'm a dad. So I have I have a few things going on. Yeah, yeah, you do. Is this El Grito de Poetas? Did I, did I... Yes, El Grito de Poetas, which translates to the scream of, of the poets or the screams of poets. We borrowed the Grito de Lares, which was the um, revolution that happened in Puerto Rico. Um, so it's a mixture of a grito de lares and just a scream of poets. And it's poets who want to be heard when they're not given an opportunity to be heard. Because for a lot of us, there was a time where being a Latino in the poetry scene was rarely seen. You would see maybe one or two Latino artists in a pool of 45. So we decided, hey, why don't we just come together and try to build something and when we started, everyone was just like, you guys are like the Wu-Tang Clan of poetry, of Latino poetry, because it, it was a lot of us. So yeah, it is called El Grito de Poetas. Okay. And that is the collective that I and a few of Latino artists founded. Cool, cool. So uh, now that we have this wonderful pandemic thing happening that's basically halted everybody's lives, or at least changed it irrevocably, how are you and uh, El Grito de, de las Poetas doing? So we're still active, per se, because we we support each other's individual growth and also growth as a, as a unit. Yeah. So, for example, one of my group members, Christopher Chilo Cahigas, who he's an educator. So during the pandemic, he just focuses more on his music and his albums and... Mm-hmm. He's a Grammy Award-winning writer, so he has written on a Grammy Award-winning album. He's also a social studies educator, so right now he's working on his albums. My other brother in poetry, Advocate of Words, Eric Advocate of Words, Maldonado, he's currently hosting the New York Poets Cafe on Monday nights, and he also has a radio show that he hosts for an hour slot. So, you know, there's still some progress with all, all of us, even though the pandemic kind of is supposed to slow us down. But for a lot of us, it seems like we're getting more individual work as this pandemic is happening, as opposed to 
not doing anything. And then we have other group members, True Rodriguez, who's currently, she's a playwright, so this allots her time to sit home and, and create another masterpiece. Her first one was was awesome and it was well attended. And, you know, so it gives us all a little bit of time to to recharge the batteries, build our own brand, and then bring it back to the collective. Like, hey, this is what we're doing now as a collective. Let's build on this. And that's always been our goal. Just because you're part of the group does not mean that you don't have your own individuality. Right. You're still who you are as an artist being part of this group just means that everyone who I speak to that doesn't know you now knows you. And hopefully everyone you speak to that doesn't know me now knows me. So we believe in strength and numbers. And, and the best way to do that is to share each other's successes and experiences. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very important, especially as part of minority groups to come together. Right? Because sometimes oh, yeah as individuals or even as individual groups uh, in marginalized groups, sometimes we find that we're the lone voice or we're, we're now outnumbered in many ways and it can, it can feel very lonesome and isolated sometimes. So it's, it's great that all of you decided to form a group and that you know, you're also using this time of isolation to deepen your own artistry in the various fields. Um, yeah. And keep forgetting the exact name of that. Is it New Yorican? Yes, the New Yorican Poets Cafe is the uh, legendary New Yorican Poets Cafe that is based in the Lower East Side of Manhattan and New York. Mm. I think this is the third time I'm hearing about it and because I didn't, I didn't do poetry. Well, I did do poetry, but not sharing it outside of people I knew immediately around me. So I didn't know about all the possibilities of sharing it with poetry groups. Uh, oh, you have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, New York and Poets Cafe has been around for decades. Yeah, yeah. It started in someone's living room and he took it out of his living room and got himself a, a building and... Next, you know, history was made, and now every every artist from all walks of life goes there to make a name for themselves and and get some recognition or just to be heard. The New York and Poets Cafe is known all around the world, and it it's been a blessing to a lot of Latino and non-Latino artists alike. Specifically for the Latino artists, it gives them a home to say, "Hey, this is this is who this is part of me. This is part of who I am." Yeah. And for the non-Latino artists, it also gives them uh, a place where they can be accepted regardless of what they look like and what their poetry sounds like. There's something for everybody, which is great. Yeah, that's what we were talking about in terms of New York, what's possible. You said that one of your sort of teammates from El Grito is still doing it. Does that mean that he's doing it online? Yes, he hosts the Monday night open mic at the New Yorican Poets Cafe. It's a Zoom meeting that anyone can join. All you have to do is go to the New Yorican Poets Cafe, look at the calendar, and he hosts a Monday night, and one of our good friends hosts a Thursday night. So every Monday, every Thursday, they have an open mic when anybody can go do their poetry, 
it's usually about 25 to 30 artists that are allowed to come on and, and do whatever it is that they want to do. All artists and all arts are welcomed. So Monday, I think it's 8 to 10, and Thursdays, 9 to 11. Okay. Going back to your own poetry, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into poetry? So there was an assignment for class that we had to write about something. My mistake was not knowing the license that you have as a writer or how good you are as a writer when you're in like the third or fourth grade. It was an English class, but they wanted us to come up with our own story. So I wrote a story about a girl named Jessica who hate coming to school. I didn't know that there was a Jessica in our school who didn't like coming to school. So I wrote a story about her not wanting to come to school and why she didn't want to come to school because she wanted to stay at home with her mother because her mother was always sick and her mother always had something going on. The truth of it was that I wrote a story about Jessica, but the story about Jessica was really about me not wanting to come to school because I wanted to stay home with my mother because my mother was going through a domestic violence uh, situation. Mm-hmm. So my mother lived in in a domestic violence household where her husband at the time, who was not my father, would beat on her. Um, So I wrote this story about Jessica. And next thing you know, when I shared it at school, there were five Jessicas at the principal's office and speaking to guidance counselors and stuff like that. And when they came and asked me, they was like, are you okay?" And I was just like, yeah. I was like, why are all the Jessicas in the office? And the teacher told me, she was like, well, you wrote this story about Jessica. And I said, yeah, but you told me that the author can write any story he wants and it doesn't necessarily have to be true. So then the teacher asked me, was any of these stories true? I said, they're true to somebody, but none of the Jessica's here had anything to do with my story. When I realized what was happening, I figured maybe I have something, you know, that, that I can do with this. Maybe my writing is is pretty good and you know if i made adults believe what i said maybe there's something here that i can work with so i stopped writing for a while because you know when you're in the third grade you're eight nine years old you're not thinking i'm gonna be a a poet when i grow up and i was into sports i played basketball for a lot of my younger years played baseball briefly and then when i got uh reconnected with poetry it was like 1999 1998 A friend of mine who, to me, he didn't look like the type that would be into poetry. Mm. He calls me in the streets and he's like, hey, you know, I'm doing this show. I would love for you to come down. You you look like the type that made like a poetry show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, look, brother, nothing about you tells me poetry. Mm -hmm. Nothing about you tells me you even own a computer or know what an email is. I said, I don't believe you. And he was just like, no. He was like, I have this show that I do downtown. I would really love for you to come and check me out. It was a show that he was doing. I went up there on stage and and it was like I was the only one feeling the earthquake because my knees were buckling. (laughs) I was super nervous. But it was a great show. And that introduced me to hosting. That introduced me to becoming a curator. So I curated, hosted, and did everything the first year I went out to do poetry. I was on every open mic in the city, uh, just trying to get out there and share my stories, share the story of my people, share the stories of being Latino, sharing the stories of 
even though you're Latino, does does not negate your African uh, diaspora, does not negate the fact that you may be Black. It was a really good experience. I kept doing different shows. I kept going around the city performing. And so one day somebody came to me and said, hey, could you do this for my class? Or could you speak to some people that I, that I need you to speak to? And I said, sure, not a problem. And that was the first time there was a value put to my work where someone was willing to pay me to come out and and talk to to them. Yeah. It was definitely something that I wasn't expecting, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that it happened. Yeah, yeah, me too. This is probably as good time as any to for you to share the poem that you brought with you and also tell us a little bit about the name since it's a longer name than usual. Oh, (laughs) so the poem is called A Letter to Amada because Juana is my sister's name and that would just be weird. So the concept was for the National Poetry Month, we had a few artists and a few friends um, who have started their own programs and their own organizations. Mm-hmm. There's one um, specific lady. Her name is Angela Abreu, Angie Abreu. Mm-hmm. And she started on Instagram, uh, Dominican Writers. Mm-hmm. So it's a Dominican Writers group. And her whole thing was just 30 poems for 30 days. Here's the challenge. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to to write a love letter, kind of like a Dear John letter, mm-hmm. but you're writing a love letter to to someone who you want back. Mm-hmm. A Dear John is usually a poem about, about leaving someone or, you know, it's over, but this mm-hmm. was a flip to it. This was like a hello, you know, this is why we need to be together kind of thing. So the whole poem was just about that. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a letter to Amada. The translation of the word Amada is the one who is loved or she who is loved. Mm-hmm. And because I couldn't write a Dear Juana letter, Juana is my sister. Is, you know, she's she's my family. She's, she's my sister. She's my blood sister. So I couldn't write a Dear Juana letter. That would just be weird asking <laughs> my sister not to break up with me. Um, so the poem is called A Letter to Amada because Juana is my sister's name. And that would just be weird. It all came from a writing prompt. Wonderful. So if you don't mind reading it for us, and then we can... Oh, okay. Here it goes. Mommy never taught me to apologize. Never taught me how to prepare for wanting someone back because she was too worried about me having my own. Tú nunca vas a necesitar a alguien que te cocine. Mommy never showed me how to bounce back from a broken heart She was preparing me to live on my own like she has all these years. This sun doesn't feel as good as it did when you would stand still, look up, and sigh. I always admired you admiring the sun, considering you shine just as bright. I don't know how to apologize for being part of your exit. I hope the staircase you decide to take hasn't led you to a door yet. Te quiero mostrar how many sancochos from scratch I can prepare. I have patience. Peel potatoes just for you. I want you to know that I'm here for the long haul. I'm sorry that things happened the way that they did. I want again to show you how to peel papa y zanahoria, tendering rabo 
res, carne, pollo. Let's talk until this three-day soup is finished. Mommy did show me how to tend to las flores y el jardín, how I speak to the petals. I will speak it into our relationship. Care for the roots. I know how orchids and cherry blossoms are specific. I'd raise Catalinas, the color of your cheeks. I will see to it that we are able to enjoy them in our garden, your sundress. Your sundress falling freely on the creation we have spoken of. I want us to be family. I want to show you not all fathers leave, not all husband maltratan or mujeriego. Algunos piden perdón. They mean it. Y pueden amar. And so death do us apart. Thank you. So when did you write this? I wrote this on, it's funny because it's number one. So this was, <laughs> this was April 1st. Oh, April 1st. For National Poetry Month. So this is the first poem that I wrote for the month. Yes. Oh, wow. Very neat. The idea behind the poem was to write a please take me back poem. <laughs> so it's kind of like a begging poem yeah. um, because you know you messed up. Yeah. This was the poem. And, and they said that the best way to show someone that you're willing to work on it is to describe a food that's hard to make or a food that takes a while to make mm -hmm. that shows your patience that shows your your kindness and that shows all your qualities that they haven't seen yet mm -hmm. so for anyone you know anyone who's ever made a sancocho that you know a sancocho is just a, is a soup my mother calls it a poor man's soup mm -hmm. so it's everything that you have you know so it's potatoes it's it's um carrots it's if you have chicken, you can make it with chicken. If you have pork, you can make it with pork. If you have beef, you make it with beef. And trying to make a soup from scratch, whoever, whoever has made food soup from scratch, they know how long it takes and how you have to be very consistent with it. You have to take care of it. There's, there's certain things you have to do in order for the soup to come out the way you want it to be. Yeah. And when you're working with um, different meats, they're all meats cook differently. Yeah. So the time that it takes to cook chicken is very different than the time it takes to cook pork. Mm -hmm. So through this poem is showing her, hey, look, I know how to cook. Mm -hmm. So, so kind of let me show you that I know how to do these things. Mm -hmm. And in my house, we always make three-day soup. Mm -hmm. So it's a soup that you make on a, on a Monday and if you're lucky enough, because it's so much, you'll still have some for Wednesday, mm -hmm. maybe Thursday, mm. because it's so good. Yeah. And then um, the other thing that's hard to uh, to care for are flowers. Mm -hmm. Flowers are very sensitive, very delicate. So that's why I talk about the garden and I talk about the flores. Flores are flowers and jardín is a garden. Mm -hmm. And how to speak to petals. They say that when you speak to the petals or you speak to the flowers or you speak to certain things in the garden, that's what makes them grow strong. Yeah. So that's why within the poem, I say how I speak to the petals. I will speak it into our relationship to try to strengthen our relationship, make make everything grow strong, care for the roots. 
Yeah. I mean, both of these activities, both cooking, you know, especially soup, as well as cultivating a garden, takes a lot of uh, patience and care, and also it takes a lot of observation, right? Um, Yeah. All of those things that, that would go into a good relationship. Exactly. And so my curiosity is begging me to ask you, is this to an actual person? No and yes. Okay. It's not to an actual person. (laughs) It was something like, if I would ever have to write a poem like this to someone, I imagined writing it to my wife. Mm. Part of it is, is knowing what I would say to her. Mm-hmm. because uh, she's my wife. I've known my wife a very long time. So we have like, I call it the um, the bootleg or the fake Hallmark story. I've known my wife since I was like uh, eight, nine years old. Oh, wow. Because I've known my wife for so long. First of all, we'll, we're never getting separated because that's it, <laughs> uh, married ones. Yeah. But um, this would be the best way to apologize to her. Mm. So I took I took that approach to it yeah. um, because I know she and I love three-day soup. Mm-hmm. We like flowers. We like to garden. We like to cultivate and bring of life. So the flowers and the orchids, which are the most, sometimes are the hardest flower to care for. And Catalinas are a specific flower that are orchids that are in Colombia. So it's mm. bringing that to to the poem have you showed it to your wife no i have not i have not showed it to her only because i've always been the type that the poem is never done Mm. so i do let it sit a while and then i'll read it again like right now i'm reading it and it sounds like it's done Mm. but i may pick it up in two weeks and be like you know what i need to change this i may need to add another line here maybe this wasn't clear enough and I, I never apologize for the language that I use in the poem. Mm-hmm. It's important to me yeah. to add Spanish to a lot of my poems or add a Spanish reference mm-hmm. or add um, some sort of reference of being Hispanic to the reference or a stereotype. Mm-hmm. So towards the end of the, of the poem, I said, not all fathers leave, yeah. not all husbands maltratan. Maltratan yeah. means to mistreat. Or mujeriego. Mujeriego means to be a womanizer. I try to add those things that a lot of people can relate to. I know that in in our our culture, the Hispanic culture, Puerto Rican men are considered to be machistas or mm-hmm. big macho men. Uh, Colombian men are considered to be mujeriegos, womanizers, and certain men are just considered to be abusive. Mm-hmm. So this was a way of showing that not all men are like that you know and i say algunos piden perdón which pretty much is some of us do ask for forgiveness yeah. um and they mean it and that we can love until death do us apart yeah yeah it's a it's a very 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 romantic poem and until you explain the name i wasn't sure but i i double checked anyway my spanish is not as good as it should be given how many years of Spanish I've taken. <laughs> so I looked up some of the words, like Amada, I just wanted to make sure. Um, so yeah, yeah, that it wasn't Amanda. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, I just want to make sure that there 
a word in Spanish, and it's not just, I just don't assume that it's supposed to be Amanda, you know. Um, (laughs) Well, it was funny because when I wrote it to the Dominican Writers Club, they say, did you mean Amanda? And I'm like, no, I meant Amada. And because I didn't know the the origin of the of the title, I thought it was just a love poem. I mean, of course, there are references where you know in the poem where you talk about her exit. In fact, there were some aspects of it that made me wonder if the person had deceased. Um, because oh, okay. Because you had talked about, I hope this staircase you decided to take hasn't led you to a door yet. I mean, it's it's not clear. It's it's a bit ambiguous, but you know, especially when you think of uh, cultures that have yes Christianity as a you know the exit. Yeah. So, and and also because the staircase, you know, like going to heaven, and also the song. Uh. <laughs> so. I wasn't sure, there, but there are a lot of references that does make you think that it's a poem about someone who's trying to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if the exit was a permanent exit or not. That's why there were parts of it where I had to go back and read it again. And just yeah. I don't know how to apologize for being part of your exit. I hope the staircase you decide to take hasn't led you to a door yet. Yeah. So it's it's interesting what made you decide to use this staircase imagery? Well, because for me, anytime someone leaves, they're always walking out the door. Mm-hmm. You always hear the the saying, there's a lot of them, don't let the door hit you with the good Lord split you. <laughs> and then there's a lot of music references that, you know, you can exit out the door for people to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was always like, anytime you were upset, in New York, of course, because you live in an apartment and you can't go anywhere, though. Right. Anytime you, you want to leave, you have to exit. You, like, you remove yourself from whatever space you're in. Right, right. Um, so for me, I guess it was just making a reference that most people can relate to. Mm. That's why I, I prefaced it with, I don't know how to apologize for being part of your exit. Mm-hmm. I hope the staircase you decide to take hasn't led you to a door yet. here's the other thing like there's there are times in a relationship where you get so mad at your partner that you leave the door like you'll leave and you see you see it in some films where people will be so upset with their partner that they leave the door and instead of running outside they run up the stairs just to cool down for a bit Mm. so for me it was just like if you do like decide to go somewhere i hope that the door is still ajar enough where it's like you know what i'm not completely out of your life like there's still room for this to work right part of it made me think of stairway to heaven (laughs) (laughs) and i love how you know you basically start by saying mommy never taught me how to apologize and then you went into you know because you're prepping for this idea of the soup right which you're basically saying she taught me how to be independent by saying you will never going to need anyone to cook for you. I thought that was really interesting that you didn't say, oh, she taught me how to be independent, but you said she taught me to never need anyone to cook for me. Was that a conscious choice on your part in order to go into the soup reference or? or Which one? The, tu nunca vas a necesitar alguien 
Keto Cocine. Yes, that was placed there specifically to transition into to the cooking part. Yeah. But growing up um, as an eldest son, that was one thing my mother would always tell me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're never going to need somebody to cook for you. Nunca vas a necesitar alguien que te cocine, tu cocina para ti mismo. So mothers of of their first sons, they always want to make sure that they're going to be taken care of. Now that I'm older, like, it baffles me because it's just like, my mother's been through so much and her concern is that a woman won't leave me. Instead of, like, everything that she's been going through with a man, you know, uh, abusing her and putting her through so much, her main concern was just, like, I'm going to teach my son to be better than the, than the man I'm with. Mm. So by teaching him how to cook, so I would never need a woman to teach me how to cook. That is very interesting, isn't it? The, the way she approached that, the way she decided yeah. to... It's specifically put there as a nod to my mom, but also because I knew where the poem had to go. Right. And because of the prompt, it was just about um, cooking and, and how you win somebody back. You know, they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Mm-hmm. The truth of it is that women eat more than men. Um, and some women appreciate a man who can cook for them. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, so this this whole thing was um, was an eye-opener for many, many directions for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, as you deliberately wanted to, you broke a lot of uh, stereotypes. Um, yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's very appreciated because I, I think for those people who are not familiar with individuals in the Latinx community, there are certain types that come to mind when you think of especially Latino men. So it's really cool to see this poem and see how you approach the poem and how you decided to break all of these stereotypes. It's interesting how many people can see one writing prompt and it can go so many different directions even if it's the same five words that started the whole piece right right exactly that's what's wonderful about how we bring our individual experiences yes to um you know certain certain topics universal topics i would say Part of why I, I do this podcast a lot of the time, as as I'm going to do with you today, is that we we take some some of the similar sentiments and see how we each approach it, and we talk about what's similar and what's different, and that also goes into our personal stories. Um, yes. So speaking of that, the poem that I chose to read with yours is called "My Apologies." So I'm, I'm going to read that and we'll talk about it. I suffered from blinding, fault-erasing love. I self-inflicted to be with you. I ignore my low standards, thinking they can raise me high, grasping my fingers onto the tip of skyscrapers that your consideration appeared to be. Then I realized that I had constructed an illusion out of my own needs and desires, and you were just the bones holding up my figurative dreams. 
that you were a stranger I abducted to channel my hallucinations. I disfigure you to mold my imagined ideals. I distorted you to paint my own imagery. I know now that our fights were your needs to be seen, and I didn't appreciate all that you were, that I prefer my own creation. I thank you for painstakingly scraping off the clay I encased you within. I should have believed you when you try so hard to show me whom you struggle to be. You made me see that if only portends a disastrous ending, that potential is often unachievable when there's a human being on the other end of that application. I apologize for projecting onto you my fabrication. I apologize for obscuring you from whom you wanted to be. I apologize for wasting my own time. I apologize to those I didn't have a chance to meet. Nice. Thank you. So yeah, as I was saying, it's it's all about how <laughs> you know we might have started out. Although this is more a dear John poet. Well, it's post the breakup poem, a reflection on the breakup. But it also comes from that reflective thing that you do when you are out of a relationship. Sometimes a few years later, and to see what you've learned from that relationship. Yes. When I read this, I wanted to know what was their name and where I can find them, so I can slap them up a few times. <laughs> Why? Because just listening to it, you can hear everything that you were put through because of it. <laughs> Thank you. But it, it was also one of those where I was just like, "Good, she figured it out." <laughs> like she knew exactly what she was going through. She knew it while she was in it, but it took her some time to get it together and be like, "Nah, this is not for me." <laughs> I don't know if I knew it when I was in it. To tell you the truth, you did. I don't know I because mean... you. Know, this is why I say you did because women always have a sixth sense, and y'all don't realize what that is. That's your gut. When your gut tells you, "Wait a minute, this doesn't feel right." Anytime your gut tells you something, it's not gas. It's your sixth sense. It, it's your aura. It's something protecting you from something that may go wrong. I don't think uh, the sixth sense is only only for women. I think men, it is. No, it's no. stronger for women than it is for men. I I think because men, men are dumb. No, let me tell you. No, I I think there are plenty of men who have better sixth senses than than women. No, I, I we think, don't. We really don't. No, I think men are not taught to listen to it, whereas women are like, oh, yeah, you go listen to it. Because there, there's some sense that somehow women are more in tune, whereas... No, the problem is that when men feel the sixth sense, they think it's excitement. Maybe. I mean, that's what I'm saying, because we are... Yeah. We, we have... Because men are dumb. <laughs> like, you know, okay, if I walk in here, this may happen. You're like, let's go anyway. Let's do it. <laughs> Where women... Women think about it more than men do. I think we are conditioned to have to think about it because the fact is, as what your mom went through, society doesn't protect women the way that it protects men sometimes. Yes. We, as a whole, learn to make excuses for men from a very early age. 
Whereas women, basically, if something happens to you, most of the time you are not only responsible for your own actions, you are also being taxed with being responsible for the other per person's actions, which is very unfair, but it also has taught us to be extra careful because nobody's there to take care of it. Yes, I agree. So, so it's very frustrating. At the same time, I mean, I don't, I think I'm, I'm one of those slower learners because I, I'm one of those people, if I, you know, sense something weird, I'm more likely to say, oh, let's go explore this rather than say, oh, let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, But that's because we have this uh, sense of it can't ever happen to me, machismo, that well, I'm not worried about the dangerous part of it. It can never happen to me. I'm too much of a man to be worried about danger. <laughs> yeah, which is, again, something that's taught. And I think that's... Exactly. And, and that's, again, why a lot of men tend to die off throughout one's lifetime. Because, again, men are taught to go try out things, to take chances and such, and which can, can result in wonderful things because you think about all the explorers that are out there, right? At the same time, that's also risk-taking and that has its own dangers. One of the things I forgot to ask you, actually, is did you show your mom your poem? No, my mom doesn't read English, mm -hmm. so she would never be able to uh, understand them. Mm. But there have been tons of poems um, that I have translated for her. Mm. She has copies of books that I've been published in, newspaper articles I've been published in. Great. So most publications she has, she has no idea what they mean mm -hmm. um, until a good friend of the family comes over and reads it to her or, you know, we have a, a very close friend that hang out with my mom from time to time. And my mom, you know, as a proud mother, she'll show off uh, whatever publication. Right. And then she'll read it to my mother and she'll say, hey, look, this is what your son is saying. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, my mother is, she's very supportive mm -hmm. of everything that I do. She understands what I do. She knows what I do. Mm -hmm. She's seen my work. And it's funny because I didn't know, I, many years ago, I didn't, an interview on Latinos and poetry for Univision. Oh, cool. But I didn't know that it would be broadcasted because what I was told was it was a pilot. It was just an idea. Mm. And that it should they be able to, mm -hmm. they would like to have it like archived just in case they need to pull it out for something. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever you need. And the directors of the New York and Poets Cafe had called me and said, hey, we need you. Could you come out? I'm like, sure, whatever you need. Yeah. As the New Yorkers that we are, it's always just like, yeah, I'll do it, whatever. <laughs> Nothing's going to come from it. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. And then I didn't realize that I was on television until my mother got a phone call from like a friend who lived in like New Jersey. Mm -hmm many miles away and she's like, I just saw your son on television. And my mother started laughing like, yeah, whatever. And then when she started getting all these phone calls, then she turned on the TV because um, they always replay it for like a week. Oh. And then when she finally saw 
that all the time I spent writing and traveling and doing shows, when she finally saw, like, whoa, this is really what you're doing, yeah. um, then she got all teary-eyed and emotional and, and super excited about all that I do. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad your mother is supportive of uh, your yeah. work. It was never like, oh, you're going to do that thing. Like, my mother never minimized anything that I did. It was never like, oh, he's just a little writer. Or mm. it was always like, or oh, if you're going to write, you're going to write. Right. Don't be writing no fake, half, uh, trash. Just write. Write with your heart and write what you mean. Oh, that's good. That's really good. It helps. My mom and I also, we have a language barrier as well. So it's it's difficult. Have you found someone to translate your work? No, no, I haven't. She's not all that interested, uh, to tell you the truth. It's not like she's well, chasing after me and saying, one, I want to know your writing. You have the resources. Yeah. I think once you show her, and, and I understand, because like, it's like you said earlier, all cultures are different. For some cultures, your parents already have in their mind what you're going to be. And if you're not that, then you're, you're, you don't live up to what they expected you to be. I understand that. That plays a part of it. I don't think they have a specific thing in mind. We don't have the sort of relationship that you and your mom do. Understood. <laughs> but it's like I'm saying, all cultures is very different. Like, I have friends who their parents are like, you're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, or something in the medical field, right? I have a friend who's a very successful business owner, but he's not a doctor, a lawyer, yeah. or in the medical field. Mm -hmm. So the parents don't care. And that's what I'm saying. And it doesn't, and, but he's, he's very successful. Right, right. Like he's made a name for himself. He's he's made himself almost a household name, a brand that everyone is aware of. But the parents are like, you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you're not this. So I do, you know, I, I get it because, you know, you know, when my mother first saw me, she was like, you're always traveling, you're always here, you're always there. My mother just thought that I was a night owl always in the streets. <laughs> and so the work that I start that I was doing she saw the value in it or the, the when people started valuing my work. Yeah. And by valuing, I mean, she started opening the mailbox and seeing all these checks coming in. At first, she thought I was doing a, a check fraud. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm doing. You know, but it's just the shows that I go out to, the colleges and the performances that I do. This is the money from all those shows. Right, right. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. But my mother's okay with me being a, a educator. Mm -hmm. She says, because you're helping folks. Yeah. Um, so I say that to say, you have the resources to show your parents what you are doing. And you do have the accolades, per se, um, to show them that you are making a difference. And I think you just being able to show them that is more than not, it would be enough to get that off your chest. Now, yes. Now they are definitely seeing some values now that, you know, the show is being recognized a little bit. So they do finally, you know, are a little bit happier. It's not a one facet thing, right? Because it, exactly. it's many, many different things. It's like just how we arrive at being who we are. It's as complicated for them. Yes. So, and they, they wanted to protect you from that. In 
some ways. And I, I think, yeah, I think parents, they wanted to protect you from that struggle. They didn't want you to go through it. I think parents always have some ideas of what they want their children to become. At the same time, they don't necessarily consider, uh, well, depending on the parents as well, but my parents certainly don't necessarily consider what I am suited for <laughs> and what I am willing to do. These are some of the issues that we all have to deal with on an individual basis because nobody can really understand your situation unless they're actually in their in your situation and unless they're willing to spend a lot of time listening to you to know all the nuances of your own situation. And so that that's always a frustration uh, when you have um, people around you who are not necessarily willing to uh, listen, but are more re ready to just give you their opinions without knowing what's going on. And that's always uh, a frustrating aspect of life, right? Because, you know, everybody has an opinion. You know, you go outside. Yeah. You know, but are they appropriate for your life? Most likely not, unless they've known you very well, uh, you know, spent a lot of time with you, and they're willing to listen. So these are some of the, some of the aspects of that. Um, but back back to our poem. <laughs> Did you have any specific questions about my poem? Oh, I told you. I just I just wanted to know who this person was and where I can find them, <laughs> so I give them a piece of my mind. I read it two or three times, mm -hmm. but you never know how someone intends for you to take it, and that's the the beauty of of this art form mm -hmm. is that six people can read the same poem and get seven different opinions on it. Right, right. So the part where you say, I disfigured you to mold my imagined ideals, mm. that took me somewhere else. Mm. What were you thinking? No, I just, I like that. Mm. Because for me, it's one of those things where it's just like, sometimes you have to break somebody down and make them who you who you want them to be mm. or who you think they should be maybe i'm completely off but that showed me that you settled because the person who you thought they were is not the person who you in your heart of hearts had already uh painted them out to be yeah i i think similar to what i was telling you about you know how parents treat their children yes there is a similar thing that we do when we are looking for life partners, right? Yes. There are times where you quote unquote settle because you think they're oh so close, you know, if only they would. Yeah. Just... So in a way, you're not respecting them for who they are. You don't love them for who they are, but you think, oh, this is a work in progress and I should be able to do that work. Whereas it's not your work. It's not your work to take on. Exactly. That could bring about a lot of frustrations for people who uh, go into those relationships thinking, oh, yeah, I can make them some something I want. And that's why I'm apologizing as well, not only to them, but also to myself, because I wasted a lot of time. That's the only part I, I, I kind of had a problem with. <laughs> I cursed you out a few times. <laughs> Because I'm like, what the hell are you apologizing for? This person put you through all this. You don't apologize to them. But then I had to sit back and think the spiritual side of me. It's you cannot move on 
and completely live your life uh, free of of pain if you do not allow yourself to, in apologizing to someone, you're giving yourself forgiveness for yourself. And I think it's just for being naive, for lack of better words. When you're apologizing, you're allowing yourself to grow. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? I did mess up. I apologize for this. And the only reason I'm apologizing to you is because I realize that I messed up and allowing you to do this to me. So in apologizing to you, I'm giving myself the freedom of knowing that I did mess up. And it's not completely your fault because I should have put a stop to it a long time ago. And I didn't. I allowed you to do this to me. Well, I, and, I also think um, my poem is a little bit different than um, maybe the way that it's come across to, you know, different readers. It, of course. For me, my apologies to the person is to say I didn't really see them for who they were. And, and I think it's very important. It's not necessarily a negative thing in terms of recognize somebody's you know, if they are being predatory or whatnot. It's just to live in the reality of somebody who, uh, for being who they are at the time that you meet them. Yes. You know, we all grow at different rates and, and you know, in different times. And obviously, a relationship that they have with me changed them as me being in that relationship also changed me. At the same time, for anyone to be in a relationship thinking, oh, I'm going to make that person change into the person I want to, it's very hard work. Maybe it's achievable, but you need to have the consent, whether that's tacit consent or explicit consent of the person who you're trying to change. And I think many of us go into relationships not knowing that we are actually going into a relationship that we are where yeah. we want to change the person. Where we and I think a lot of it is because people bring their agents to the dating. Hey. Everybody has an agent. And, and the first person you meet is not the person who they are. Yeah. There, Everyone does. Yeah, the girl who goes out on a date and, oh, I, I just want a salad. Girl, you know you don't eat salads all the time. <laughs> who are you lying to? <laughs> if you a steak eater, order the steak. So I know what I'm getting myself into from day one. Don't be a salad girl for the first and second date, and then the third date you're ordering everything you usually eat. Well, then there are girls who only order steaks, whereas they're actually a salad eater. Exactly. So. <laughs> Just to spend someone's money. Well, I get it. Not I so see much it. to spend someone's money to show you that she's the girl you want her to be. So, exactly. So we Here's all, a question. Yeah. How long after did you write this piece? And why did you decide that was the appropriate time it took you to write the piece? It took me a long time, and I don't think it's... Uh, well, I, I stopped writing poetry for a good 20 years. So, you know, it's not like, oh, I suddenly realized that at that time, after the relationship was over, and then I suddenly wrote that piece. I've been thinking about it for a long time, and then I just wrote it in poetic. It's a flaw process that I've had. Um, it did take some time to develop because, you know, uh, going through other relationships, sometimes we leave one relationship and we end up 
in, even in the next relationship, we end up in, in the same relationship, basically. We switch the players, but it's the same relationship. So it's definitely uh, quite a few years after, but it's not a new thought process. It was definitely interesting to put it into poetry. Have you shared the piece with the individual? No, no, no. God, no. But, <laughs> and it's not because I don't want to have this conversation. It's just unhealthy to be near certain people, you know. Of course. Um, I get it. So, um, are you ready for the conversation should they ever catch wind of it? No, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that person. Um, okay. So that, that's it. Obviously, I'm ready for the conversation because I'm having that conversation with you. <laughs> so, and, and I did write it. So I was ready to have the conversation with people that I was going to read it to. So, you know. How? Go ahead. Uh, no, that's it. How has this, this moment in time changed you? This realization or this poem? This poem. Do you love differently now? Do you look for love differently now? Well, Do you listen to your gut now? Well, Are there signs from previous relationships that creep up while dating that scare you or deter you from moving forward? There are always things that, that you know, will make you think twice. We learn that as we get older as we accumulate more experiences. You recognize uh, the warning signs a lot uh, easier, at least the same warning signs or similar warning signs. In terms of uh, developing new habits, it's always difficult to develop new habits. So I always try. I would not say that I always succeed, but I do always try. And I think trying is what is needed in order to develop those new habits. Okay. I think sometimes I do have similar reactions to you, to this poem, this sort of cringing of why am I apologizing, right? Because, you know, you think of all the terrible things that happened during your relationship. At the same time, I think we have to realize our role in it, not necessarily that we were active in making it terrible, but that there is the aspect of blinding ourselves to certain shortcomings of people because we want something to work because we think we put so much time and effort into it that somehow the good parts make the bad parts worthwhile. It is a learning process and um, it's a process of practicing, a process of learning new habits, as I said. I'm really happy that we got to talk about these breakup poems. I was wondering if you can tell us, uh, I know you do some virtual reading, so if you tell us where people can find you, where you usually read, and also how people can follow you in terms of social media. So I do usually do the uh, Monday night at the New York Poets Cafe Zoom event. I pop up every now and again on the Thursday night New York Poets Cafe event. Mm. I have a couple of friends who host... I try to find some time to write at home mm -hmm. uh, because I, I do have two smaller children. It, it's hard to, to be out and performing 
But I think that um, because of everything that's happening is is provided me an opportunity to perform via Zoom meetings and and those avenues. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not even announcing any physical events now. I don't want to put anyone in danger. So, um, so I'm glad to hear that you're you're doing uh, virtual reading. So, in terms of social media, how how do people find you? On Facebook, I'm John Chance Acevedo. I don't really Instagram, but my my wife and I have a, a cupcake business that we run called Eva J's Sweets. Oh. Uh, so I'm on there. Uh, also every once in a while but I'm always here to to help young inspiring artists authors anyone who who is trying to get into writing or wants to perform and needs any type of um, assistance guidance or help I'm always available for anyone Uh, you can email me uh, to my personal email chance underscore one zero zero two five at yahoo.com yeah and I'm, I'm always willing and available to help any any artists that need help i'm very approachable mm-hmm. and very open to, to hearing people out and ideas and collaborating or working with anyone who needs help cool cool awesome uh, again i really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me thank you I appreciate you so much for even contacting me and having a platform and a different avenue for artists to be able to give more insight on the work that they do. I think it's very important for all of us to connect and and spread the word of what we do and and just the work that we do. I think I think what you're doing is amazing. I think what you're doing is needed. Mm-hmm. And I applaud you for pushing forward and doing it, regardless of, of what um, challenges you may have had along the way. So I thank you. I thank you for, for doing this and for, um, and for continuing to do it. And anything you need from me, just know I am always here to assist and to help with whatever it is. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com as well as via Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, aside from poetsandmuses.com as well as the SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast via Apple Podcasts, Tune in or Stitcher. I'm your host, Imogen A. Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.